Good afternoon, everybody. It is September 11th. It is 9-11. We want to give just a little moment of silence for all the people that was affected by 9-11 on this tragic day in New York after those planes hit the Twin Towers. Just giving respect to all the first responders, all the ones who passed away. As we're just going to do this podcast of another episode of Just Talking Sports. All right, thank y'all for that moment of silence as we're gonna get right into it. My name is Marcus Modi alongside my partners, Gabe Jones and Patton Cook. Hopefully y'all guys are doing well. The sleepy bags are away and y'all got a good night rest, <laughs> nights of rest. Gabe, Gabe looking like he didn't, he didn't have the best sleep. <laughs> but we're going- Gabe got a good morning of sleep, uh, not, or a good day of sleep, however you wanna say it. A good bunch. <laughs> But we got a little bit of football, soccer, and basketball on today. But also, I want to throw a little teaser out there as our executive producer, Joe Palmer. He's back with us once again. And we got uh, something up our sleeves in the near future. Hopefully that you guys will like it as we're going to be having our videos posted very soon back on APSU TV. So if you want to look at our lovely faces, you can go on YouTube at APSU TV to find also the local news around Clarksville and everything around campus, especially going on with this coronavirus. But also you can find us streaming on Apple Music and Spotify. That is just talking sports. It is on Apple Music and Spotify. But I'm going to pass it off to my partner so we can talk about the Premier League. Yep, uh, excited for uh, the Premier League being back. It kicks off this weekend. A few teams not going to get to play as they had uh, other um, contributions in Europe, specifically talking about Manchester City and Manchester United as they were in the late stages of the Europa League and the Champions League. But everyone else is kicking off. And uh, I guess we'll go ahead and start just with my uh, top six predictions and also relegation uh, for this upcoming season. And Uh, Me and Marcus will uh, go back and forth, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty similar, our our, our predictions at least. Number one, Marcus, I got not Liverpool, but Manchester City. I just don't see uh, Liverpool being being able to go back to back, mainly just because Liverpool has not really made any significant uh, transfer uh, this, uh, this summer transfer window. I agree with you. I actually don't have Liverpool. One in the Premier League. I know I had them picking one in last year, but the same reason. Uh, the only transfer they really had was Andy Andy Robertson to cover their left uh, backside. But outside of that, you got the depth. Don't get me wrong; they was the best team last year, but you have you don't really have the depth. That was the really the main issue. You got the starters. It's just the reserves. You gotta get some transfers because everybody really closed the gap this year. Absolutely. And Liverpool, one thing you can say about them last year, they really didn't face any significant injury. And you can't say the same for Manchester City, and they've kind of resolved that issue. It looks like they're going to get a big-time center back in uh, Koulibaly in from Napoli, over 80 million uh, pounds, euros, whatever whatever com- uh, conversion you want to make in that. So that's our top two. And then the top three and four, I think is going to be pretty close. I think there's a clear gap between uh, one and two and then three and four. 
Three and four, I've got Chelsea. And then number four, I've got my beloved Arsenal desperately trying to get back into the top four. Uh, I went with the same thing. I mean, I think the reason why I just put Chelsea over your your team, Arsenal, is just because of Christian Pulisic. Uh, but one thing for sure is he's going to have to stay healthy. I know he had an injury right before the coronavirus hit, and then he also had the injury in the uh, FA Cup final yeah. against 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 your guys, it will say. But he pulled that hamstring. But one thing for sure is when he's out on the field, he is one of the most dangerous players in the league. Yeah, I was really happy for Pulisic to get that move from the Bundesliga to the uh, Premier League, mainly for selfish reasons, just so I could see him week in, week out. And I think you're right, injuries is the main concern for him because he's got all the talent in the world. He just kind of kind of put it together. But the thing is with Chelsea, they've made a transfer after transfer, whether that's Werner, Havertz, uh, Thiago Silva, uh, Chilwell from Leicester. Uh, they've been splashing the cash this year. I, I want to know where they're getting this uh, this bank reserve because my team Arsenal is not in that same uh, that that same well of of wealth right now uh, in the transfer window necessarily. Uh, but another team that I've got uh, fifth and sixth. It's a team that spent a lot already and uh, looking to spend more. Uh, Manchester United. I've got fifth. I really just don't trust their manager, Marcus. That's really the main reason that I've got them below Arsenal. I've got more trust in Arteta to really put his put this team where he wants it to be, and that's top four and then ultimately challenging for the league. But Solskjaer, I, I just don't trust. Now, after you hit Chelsea and Arsenal, it was, it's a – I would say it's a tight race for me. I was, I was struggling to find because I had Leicester. I had uh, – wait, I just lost my page. Uh, but uh, Tottenham, the Spurs as well. Yep. Those was another one where I didn't know – who I wanted to be with my last pick just because they didn't have the best years this past year. And it's a lot of questions up in the air for both teams. Absolutely. And then sixth, I've got, as you mentioned, uh, Tottenham Spurs. Uh, Mourinho's funny on the, on some of these documentaries, but it, just in terms of man management, I think he's slowly starting to lose it. Jumping ahead, to the relegation battle, and this is always a, a stressful time of the year uh, for some of these teams. I've got Fulham, Brighton, and then West Ham. So really the only uh, promoted team that I've got going down is Fulham, who we'll get into in a minute, is playing a, a, a top six team uh, in week one. So that's my relegation. Marcus, any objections, any team you'd like to throw into the race? Uh, no, nah, I'm going to agree with your teams as and they will have some tough challenges moving forward, I will say, that who are trying to prelude it. Absolutely. Uh, West Ham, they're just in absolute turmoil right now. They're not bringing in any players. The owners are stealing cash left and right and center, and the, uh, and the supporters are about ready to burn down the West Ham Stadium, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we're not trying to attack those, those managers and owners, but it, it hasn't been looking too good for West Ham for quite some time, I will say that. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to our little final segment, uh, we're going to do what we did uh, with the NFL and the NBA, and that's our predictions. Uh, match week one predictions, as I mentioned, not all the teams are going to be in it, so we're going to predict four games uh, starting off. It's going to be the first game of the season, a 6.30 a.m. kickoff. I'm going to be awake for that match. You're actually going to be awake? My alarm. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm buzzing for uh, – for the start of it, and that is Arsenal versus Fulham. 
And this is the game I've got the the Gunners winning 3-0. I think uh, Arteta, he's just got these players buzzing around, ready to uh, just work their socks off for him. So I've got uh, Arsenal winning uh, 3-0. I will have Arsenal winning. Uh, I said 2-0. One thing, matter of fact, I got to bring this up. Buddy, have have they not announced the new deal yet for for the guy that was number two in goals last year? Now, Marcus, uh, as you're saying this, I'm I'm still I'm still checking Twitter. I'm refreshing, refreshing. No update on Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, it is rumored that it is going to be announced before the game tomorrow. Now, in the UK, it's almost eight o'clock, so they're losing daylight in in this day. So I'm hoping if they don't do it today, surely they do it before uh, the kickoff tomorrow. But uh, I'm with you. If we end up losing Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. It's relegation battle for the Gunners, I'm afraid to say, just because the, the goals and how much importance he means to us. The, the spacing that will get clogged up immediately if you do yep. not have him on the field. And also, like I just said, he was number two in goals in the whole Premier League. He, he's a very young talent, speed, and, hey, he, he will put the ball into the net. You're going to have to just go ahead and pay the man. Don't, don't wait it out because when you get into those kind of moments, they're going to second guess is that trust going to be with mm-hmm. that team moving forward. And then if he holds out, that's a detriment, <laughs> immediate setback for your team as you're trying to go and get a top four finish. I mean, it, it was last year. That was the worst finish you've had in the last 25 years. Yep. So, I mean, that's one positive that you could say, but you don't want to regress. You want to keep progressing. Absolutely, and that's really been the main issue with Arsenal is whenever we get a big-time player, it comes directly after we've lost a big-time player, so we haven't really been building. Moving on, we're going to go to another top-six team, Liverpool, and they're taking on the newly promoted Leeds, and Leeds, one of the biggest teams in the country in England. The thing is, for them, they've been in the in the second tier for nearly 15-plus years, so, I mean, they're begging to get off to a good start in the Premier League. I've got Liverpool winning 3-1. It is at Anfield, but no fans. So that could be a, a bit of a, a help for, for Leeds United. I'm going to agree with you and go with 3-1 uh, for Leeds. They might have a, it's really tough that you go against the champion. So uh, <laughs> Liverpool might come out fiery as they're trying to repeat. I think they're going to try to punch them in the mouth early on. But if Leeds can bounce back after their first punch, they might have a chance. You never know. As lead is one team that has been extremely hungry, waiting for this opportunity. Absolutely. The fans over uh, in, in the northern part of England are ready to get going. Our third uh, of the four games we're going to predict it is Tottenham v. Everton. Everton, a huge uh, transfer moves this season, bringing James Rodriguez from uh, Real Madrid and Allen from Napoli. And then they just added a big-time player uh, here recently. So it's, it's, it's another great uh, transfer window but for Everton, but the thing is they have not really built upon uh, these seasons. I've got them drawing against Tottenham 2-2, a bit of a bias for the Arsenal fan. Don't rate Spurs at all. Uh, Marcus, what say you? Now this one here, I, will, I questioned a lot because I could see an upset happening and Everton getting the win, but I could also see a draw. So I'm a, I had picked initially my prediction was going to be 1-1. But I'm not going to be shocked if Everton get a get a W here. Um, that's going to be on Sunday. That would be music to my ears. Tottenham dropping points week uh, <laughs> one. Uh, our final game 
Chelsea, the team we're pretty high on, a lot of transfers, a lot of new players, a lot of new faces. They're taking on Brighton. And I've got them winning 2-1. I, I just don't think uh, Brighton has much of a chance this season, much less this game. But I think to stay up this season, not enough transfer activity. And for Chelsea, that's complete opposite. Maybe they make too much transfers uh, this summer. Yeah, I got. I have Chelsea winning this one. I said it was going to be 2-1 or 2-0. Um, the only thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, if – if Pulisic was playing, it might have been a larger league. But they say in the camp that he could potentially be available. Yep. I don't think he will be because then it's just it'll be too quick of a recovery for him as the what was the FA final just less than less than a month ago. Yeah, really. I mean, we we've been going right back and forth. So I, I'm with you. I think uh, he's got a chance to be on the bench, but no reason to rush him out against a team that you should beat anyway without him. So that is going to do it for our little Premier League's uh, Premier League segment. We're going to move over not to football, but to uh, the NBA this time. Uh, uh, exciting uh, games ahead, I'm sure. Now I'm going to take over this one because I mean, it's we had some quite a bit of games, but one first thing first I wanted to talk about is the all defensive teams. Now I wanted to get Gabe's uh, side of things because I'm going to let the listeners know. Uh, for the first team, it was Giannis, Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons at guard, Rudy Gobert, and Marcus Smart. Now, Gabe, I'm going to ask you this question. Is Ben Simmons a guard? <laughs> well, well, well. Isn't that the million-dollar question that the 76ers want to know? Does Ben Is Simmons play basketball? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, them putting him at guard, I believe that he played most his minutes this year at guard, though they did move him to the forward position um, at some point in the year. I forget when, but um, they moved him to a power forward position. But putting him at guard, you really cannot argue against his numbers. I had him personally on my second team, but his defensive numbers have been absolutely insane this year. So I, I don't knock it. I don't knock it. Putting him at guard, he should be on the first team. Having your thoughts? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of the same thing with LeBron. I, I I always picture whoever you end up guarding, that's the position you are. Uh, so like LeBron, he is never guarding the point guard position, but on the offensive end, he he is the point guard. I, I would say that's a pretty uh, safe assumption. But for Ben Simmons, he's guarding the guards, and that's why. Really, he's one of the best defenders in the NBA guarding the, the guards because the length and speed he has, he can match any guard, really, in the NBA when healthy. So uh, although it's, it's a funny uh, conundrum that the NBA has every year, I, I don't fault them for putting Ben Simmons at the guard, although there are arguments to put he could be a power forward slash uh, small forward. The whole thing with you is that – I'll go ahead, Gabe. Uh, just to start to throw off for Ben Simmons, um, guys were shooting – 41% against Ben Simmons this year. Uh, 11 field goals a game, but only making four of them. So he played fairly good defense. Oh, I'm not, I was not going to discredit Ben Simmons' defense. I thought he was going to be a first team uh, all defensive. But it was, it was funny to me because Ben Simmons played a lot at the four, actually, more mm -hmm. this year than ever in his career. And the one time that they do, put him at guard. He was really playing a lot of the four, even though he didn't have the – he had the ball in his hands a lot, but on that stat lineup, 
he had him at the four, not at point guard. So that that's one thing that shook me. Uh, now for the second team, it was Kawhi, Brooke Lopez, Bam Adebayo, Patrick Beverly, and Eric Bledsoe. Now, do you do you guys think there was any snubs on who got snubbed out of it, and then who was a shot for you guys to be in the defensive teams? I'll go first. I'll go ahead. Um, I'm not a big fan of Patrick Beverly. I, I think uh, a lot of acting gets him into some of these defensive teams uh, because, I mean, if you look at the numbers, guys shooting against them, there isn't really much difference either way. I think his kind of flailing of the arms and just kind of really aggressive defense, that gets him in these defensive teams every year. And I just don't see the uh, the defensive work because every time Harden or uh, – or any of these big guys come up against them. I mean, they're putting 50 on his head, it seems like, every night. So, I mean, I, I just – maybe I'm a – maybe I'm a LeBron bias, so I'm going to hate the Clippers for some reason. Maybe that's what's going on. But uh, that is my one gripe with the, the second team is I just don't know. I think there's plenty other guards, whether that's Kyle Lowry. I think he's a really good uh, defensive uh, guard that you could have put in ahead of Patrick Beverly. But I get it. Um, the acting is, is fun to watch, I guess. I am with you, Patton. Who does this man think he is? He think he Tony Allen? Clear. You ain't T.A., bro. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't T.A. Um, in my opinion, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday should have been on a defensive team somewhere. Um, and or Gary Harris. He had yeah. he put up some pretty good defensive numbers. Opponents shooting 40% on him as well as Drew Holiday. And as Patton said, the numbers, if you look just at the raw numbers, it's not really – it doesn't really show the effect that Patrick Beverly has on the floor. Now, whether – sometimes the numbers do lie. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Patton. A lot of flailing. <laughs> uh, I think Patrick Beverly – it, it might not look for the numbers-wise, but the defensive presence, I think, for Patrick Beverly is one reason why. Because, I mean, Tony Allen. Tony Allen, you brought up, Gabe. Number, Statistics-wise, a lot of guys are shooting high numbers on Tony Allen, but you saw the energy that was put up forth each and every time, whether it was his steals, whether it was with deflections and whatnot. He had the great on-ball defense. Marcus Smart, he got first team. He's a great on-ball defender. One person, uh, Jalen Brown is another one yeah. that I thought was a really good wing defender for the Celtics. The two, I will say I agree with y'all. Patrick Beverly was one that could have been up in the question. The one for me was Eric Bledsoe. Yes, Eric Bledsoe, he did have – he was top five in deflections, but there was three – just to put it in perspective – of the top 10 in defensive rating, four guys for the Bucks was in the top 10. Mm-hmm. That I understand, yes, Giannis and Brooke Lopez, I think those two deserved being in the question for a defensive team. I mean, Giannis won defensive player of the year. Brooke Lopez, block shots. He was leading the league in block shots for the majority of the season. Mm-hmm. Eric Bledsoe, though. I'm I'm not I wasn't sold on it. Yes, he got a lot of deflections, but don't get me wrong. There was a lot of buckets getting put on Eric Bledsoe. I mean, for Christ's sake, this series, this upcoming series that we was talking about later, we're about to talk about in a minute. Goran Dragic has been giving him 
was giving him the blues. Yeah. Now, the, the, I agree with Gabe. I believe that Drew Holiday was a good one. Gary Harris was also another good one. I just think that for him, he got hurt right before COVID hit. That what took him out of it because Gary Harris was a wonderful defender and he did step up clutch for them throughout the regular season and somewhat as they got into the playoffs. Now, one thing I will say to I'm gonna ask you guys: Did Giannis? Do you guys think Giannis should have got Defensive Player of the Year or Anthony Davis? Um, I believe. is the best defender in the league, Davis. Um, I believe that, obviously, offensively, but especially on the defense. Gabe, okay, could you repeat that? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, 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 was, he was having a little technical difficulties. So could you repeat oh, that I was, for me? I was saying, just Giannis, I believe he is the best player. Well, I believe he is the best defender in the league. He is the engine that runs the team on the defensive and the offensive side, obviously. But especially on the defensive end, I believe it starts with him. Um, I don't know if they could have made a wrong decision. I think both of those guys dominate defensively. And um, I think that's ultimately what hurts Giannis a lot of the time on the offense. I think he needs to kind of adapt what LeBron does. Um, kind of later on in, into his career. And he kind of picks his moments to uh, play lockdown, lockdown defense. He doesn't play that every single possession because on the offensive end, you need the energy and you need the legs to put up shots. And I think that that really does end up hurting Giannis. But with AD, I think he's found a real balance on when to go for it and when to also be effective on the offensive end where you're not killing yourself on, on either end of the floor. I'm going to go with Giannis. I think Giannis deserved Defensive Player of the Year, as a lot of people were really killing him, as we're about to talk about it, just upcoming now, as they did lose uh, to the Miami Heat in five. You guys, I will say, on the last podcast, y'all said the series was over with, and y'all was correct, as Miami won in five. And a lot of people ridiculed Giannis for not being that on-ball defender, but just being honest, whenever Giannis was guarding somebody like Jimmy Butler, you had somebody else on the Heat team that was giving the Bucks the Blues. Oh, yeah. Now, Giannis was hands down statistically one of the best help defenders in the league. Altering shots, blocking shots, deflection, steals. He was the best off-ball defender. Now, to say if he was the best on-ball defender, no. Was Anthony Davis was the best on-ball defender. He was not. It was I think it was Marcus Smart who was the best on-ball defender for this year, statistic-wise. But just to say that he's not the best, he's not, he didn't deserve defensive player of the year was kind of a reach for me, I will say. As Giannis, he was dominating on both sides of the floor. Now, I will say that they still seem like they're holding out to try to, for this MVP 
I guess maybe you think they're trying to wait out to the conference finals to announce it or what? I think, I, I, I think that they're scrambling to fix the voting to make LeBron win. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, uh, well, allegedly they've got all the votes counted and they're in the place and they've got the winner picked. I'm not so sure. Just with the performance I think Giannis put in this playoff, I mean, if there was ever going to be a, a drastic decision, I think uh, old Giannis has bought himself out of the MVP. I, I was, I'm questioning now because I know in the past, previous years, before they start, started doing it in the separate shows and whatnot, they used to have it second round. First yeah. game, second round, they are announcing it. They're handing it to them. They're like, all right, here you go. This is this is for all the marbles. Now it's just like, how long are you going to try to wait it out? Because I, I don't know if you can try to do a bubble awards and uh, have a little show, 30-minute show. <laughs> uh, that's a lot, of, a lot of extra testing and stuff being done to try to have that happen. But the longer it holds out, it just seems like the more they're trying to give it to LeBron. I mean – I can't, I can't be mad if they get into LeBron. I mean, the narrative will be outstanding. You know, everybody loves saying you're 17. He was playing phenomenal, even though his partner led the, led the Lakers in every category outside of the assists. But I mean, we don't we don't put a knock on LeBron James. You know why? Because it's LeBron James. He's earned it. He's earned it, baby. He's earned that little free pass. But you did say one thing that I will disagree with, uh, putting on a show. I think Daniel House had a, a show put on him uh, recently here. Um, but that, 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 that's a discussion for another day, I think. That, that's that's going to be after the break. We're going to talk about that after the break. <laughs> you know what? Let's go ahead and sit it to a quick break. And then when, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about the series all together, all the four series that's been going on in the NBA, and then talk about the NFL as well as we're going to pass it on to Gabe with our predictions and also guessing the line. So give us about 10 seconds, and we'll be right back with more Just Talking Sports. Welcome back, guys. As we are continuing, we just went on a little short break. But we're going to continue with the NBA, and we're going to – Go into the, the series, we might as well, because we talked about it right before our break with the Bucks and Heat series. Miami Heat did a little, not sweet, but gentleman sweet because Giannis didn't play the last, really the last three games, if you want to be honest, as he had rolled his ankle in game three, wasn't 100%. Then rolled his ankle again in game four early on in that first quarter. But Chris Middleton had a had a good night on game four. They forced an extra game, took it to game five, but the Bucks just wasn't enough without their star player. And guys, I wanna ask you to start it off. Do you do y'all guys believe that it was Giannis last game as a Buck? Now keep in mind that Giannis still has an extra year on his contract, so he will be a free agent after the 2021 season, but you, do you guys think he's going to force a trade? Um, I'll, I guess I'll start and then Gabe, I'll, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you go. Um, just judging by the quotes that Giannis came out with, uh, with Chris Haynes talking about how he's going to run through a wall, not run away from it. I, I think that was his, his quote to Chris Haynes. So 
Uh, for me, I, I think he's going to ride this one out at least for another year. And I think what the Bucks end up doing uh, more as an organization this year, I think it's going to be key and end up keeping Giannis because for sports markets like uh, Milwaukee and uh, Detroit and for Cleveland, you need loyal guys who know that uh, you're going to try to do everything you can to win. And that's ultimately ultimately where uh, my Cavaliers kind of went wrong is uh, LeBron just didn't feel like the, um, that organization was going to give him the best opportunity to, to win. So that's why he ended up leaving two times. And you're seeing that more and more from today's players where otherwise they would just kind of waste away their career. Like a, um, even though Charles Barkley went to multiple teams, not in, ending up winning a ring, he kind of um, didn't get to win that ultimate ring that really haunts him. And uh, Shaq lets him know about it pretty much every episode on Inside the NBA on TNT. So um, I think Giannis is going to end up staying. But I think if the Bucs want to pass this year, I think they've got to make a major move, whether that is a, a Chris Paul or a, a player like that, that can be that secondhand guy. Because I think Chris Middleton has shown he is not uh, he's not able to fulfill that um, that number two role for a championship winning team. I agree with everything that Padden just said there. He said it um, exquisitely, sounded great. Um, yeah, Chris Middleton is not gonna get it done as your second guy, which I will say this, he did step up in the latter games, but in the first game, putting up nine points, 14 points, 11 points, that's not gonna get it done. It's not gonna get it done, especially against a team like Miami that runs deep, you know? You got Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, um, Bam Adebayo, all these guys, Tyler Hero, putting up big numbers for the Miami Heat team. They're all averaging, all those guys averaging over 13 points. Now, Middleton did finish the series averaging about 25, in which he did get more shots. But was it effective to winning? They won the one game against Miami, barely. And then they they lost. They lost the gentleman sweep. So they will have to get some help for the for Giannis if you expect to see him stay past this year. Marcus, I got one thing and then I'll I'll let you go. Um one thing you mentioned there, Gabe, about Middleton kind of doing better towards the end. I think this is something that I can relate with uh, quite a lot. And that is a guy like Kevin Love, who can never really find himself find spots in his game to where he can ultimately contribute in the playoffs. Now, once he was on his own, he was putting up numbers like we've never, uh, that not a lot of guys can do in the NBA. So I think it's similar to what Chris Middleton, I, if, if I were uh, someone advising Chris Middleton, I would say, look at what Kyrie did with LeBron in Cleveland. I think that is a perfect um, example of what a number two guy that can ultimately be a number one guy. I'm not saying that Chris Middleton can be Kyrie Irving, but just pick your spots. And I, I think he was too passive um, giving the ball to Giannis because at that point you're leaving Giannis high and dry because the defense knows what uh, the Bucks want to do. So if I'm Chris Middleton, I, I've got to really uh, study how I can be a legit number two guy if that's what I, what I want to end up being. Or do I want to be a guy like uh, Devin Booker who can put up crazy numbers but, it, but it's never really going to do it in the playoffs by himself? I believe that Giannis will force his way out. Because Chris Haynes asked him twice, are you, will this be your last game? Are you looking for a trade? Giannis is a competitor, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't want to go and join like certain players want to do. He wants to go. He wants to grind it out. 
and he wants to win, not somewhat, it can look like the hardest way possible. It, it sometimes looks like that, but that's how the old, that's old fashioned. It's plain and simple. You don't want to just have, oh, let me go on a super team, make it easier for me, and then just get four to five rings off rip. No, he, he's saying that I want to be the main guy. I feel like hopefully there is a team built around me where we can go out and compete. So the the worst that he was saying is now looking towards the front office. All right, I'm doing my part. I gave you guys what it seems like back-to-back MVPs. Now I need to, you, you guys to do your part. Now, that Chris Paul trade, would that help them out? Don't know. I mean, Chris Paul did have an amazing year in Oklahoma City. But that game seven, game seven against Houston, Chris Paul didn't look too well. And I, I, this is coming from a Thunder fan. It, it, didn't, it didn't look too well in that fourth quarter later on in that. I mean, yes, he had the most clutch points. But also, who are you willing to give up in that Chris Paul trade? Are you going to give up Eric Bledsoe? Will the Thunder even want Eric Bledsoe? Are you going to give up Chris Middleton? Will that Eric Bledsoe and Chris Paul even work in that system? Is the system the right way to go in playoff time? Because regular season, Bucks and the playoff Bucks is two different teams. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to scout them when you're watching them for four straight games. It's easy to pick up on tendency. Is Mike Budenholzer a regular season coach? A lot of people are now comparing the Houston Rockets and the Milwaukee Bucks as are the same. Overflating numbers, high numbers in the regular season, but when playoff time, when the rubber meets the road, can't get it done. So Giannis is now looking at his team like, all right, I'm tired of these comparisons to that guy on the other side that, that averages 36 but but can't get to the finals. I want to get to the finals, and I want to build a culture. And hopefully Milwaukee is able to do that. I think one thing that really hurts them, and I keep bringing it up, Malcolm Brogdon not being on the team anymore, that was the first mess, mistake. And I, I got a feeling Giannis probably went to him and I was like, now look at how Malcolm Brogdon has been playing for Indiana. I don't, we don't need no any more mistakes like that, because those, those, you gotta have somebody to go out and get a bucket outside of Giannis. Chris Middleton, he might take three to four dribbles, then it's either a layup or a step back jumper. You're gonna have to find somebody. That's why I, I love Max Kellerman point saying that you gotta compare Giannis to a Kareem and Shaq because. Kareem and Shaq, they needed somebody else. They needed a dynamic co-star to go out and help them win and get a ring. Shaq, Kobe. He also had D-Wade in Miami, 2006. Kareem, Oscar Robertson, and with Milwaukee. Then he got traded to L.A. He had Magic Johnson. He had somebody like James Worthy. So he had pieces there to help him out, even though don't get, we're not discrediting him. Giannis, I'm not discrediting Kareem. I'm not discrediting Shaq because they, Shaq and Kareem are top 10 players of all time. But just to, just to prove a point that they needed another great player in order to win. Mm-hmm. 
because when you're a big, sometimes you can't always get that rebound, bring the ball up the court, and go get a bucket on your own. You saw that with Miami defense. They was crowding the paint. It seemed like I was talking a lot, so I'm gonna let I'm gonna let y'all go on. And I went on a little soliloquy right there. My bad, y'all. My bad. Very good. You're preaching to the choir over here. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think me and Gabe can say we agree with everything you got to say, but uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the Heat, and then I'll let uh, let Gabe go. I was really happy for Miami. Um, I've been following a guy named Tyler Hero ever since he was in high school, and his really development in this playoff series was something that I uh, really enjoyed to see because I think uh, what what he did at Kentucky last year was he was always a shooter. And uh, one thing Coach Calipari said that you can be a, a great shooter, but if you're getting roasted on the defensive side, that turns you into, into a bad shooter. And uh, his defense has really improved. Uh, I think the effort he gives on the defensive side and his uh, position and strength, I think, was something that ended up being really big for this, for this Miami Heat team. And one final thing, Jimmy Butler didn't play exceptionally well, and they still won in five games, which is very scary for teams coming out of the East a.k.a. Um, the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors. So I think if Jimmy Butler gets to what he can really end up being a 25-plus uh, point scorer with all the supporting cast, I think uh, they've got their work cut out for him. And, I, I, and I'm going to say this now. I don't think it's, a, it's outlandish, outlandish to say that a team like the Miami Heat could stay with uh, the, the L.A. Clippers and the L.A. Lakers. They've struggled already in, the, in, in their perspective comments already so really happy for the heat um really looking forward to what they can end up doing uh further on into the playoffs indeed whenever you have four players that are averaging over 15 points shooting a good good percentages from the field jay crowder would be the least of the four 15 points 43 percent from the field they got bam out of bio with 17 shooting 60 Jimmy, 23, shooting 50, and Dragic, 19 off the bench, almost 20 points off the bench. I mean, this team is solid. This team has everything. They can run any lineup at you. They can defend any position well. Honestly, I, I kind of have – I think I might have them going to the finals, depending upon – not even depending upon who they play in the uh, Eastern Conference – in the Eastern Conference finals, because I think that they're good enough to beat this younger Boston team. And I think that they have the power, uh, the star power to get over the hump against the current reigning champions in the Toronto Raptors. Now, whether they'll be able to beat either LA team, if they were to make it, it is yet to be seen. But I believe that they do have, they have the star in Jimmy Butler. They have the defensive presence of Butler, Adebayo, Crowder, and uh, Iguodala, and then they also have shooters on that outside and Dragic, Hero, and Duncan Robinson. They can run any lineup. They can defend any position. Miami Heat, a tough team and great coaching. They can never be understated. The Heat, indeed, is a very deep team. Uh, it's going to be a battle. <laughs> Whoever is going up against, just know that it's going to be a, a war. It's not going to be just easy battles. You're going to be going back and forth and Heat are going to make sure you're going to fight for each and every possession, each and every 50-50 ball. And also, in the fourth quarter, it's going to get treacherous. Just going to be plain and simple. They they roughed up on Giannis all, all series long, and it didn't look good for the Bucks. 
Now let's go ahead and move on to that Boston and Toronto series because y'all guys said it was y'all said it was over with in five. Boston was gonna win it, but that championship DNA does not go away. Toronto ties it up two two. They lose game five and then bounce back with a double overtime in game six. That was a classic for game six. I'm not even gonna lie. Um let me take this one real quick, Patton. Yeah. So game one, Boston, Toronto, SmackDown. Game two, it was close. Boston pulls out the win. Game three, the Boston Celtics would go up 3-0, if not for a blown assignment by Jalen Brown, which led to a OG Ananobi wide open three with 0.5 seconds to go and a pointless taco foul substitution. If that did not happen, this series would be over. It would be 3-0. It would be done. But the Toronto Raptors win their game, give them life. They win the next game, tied up 2-2. In game five, another smackdown. They go – the Celtics go up 3-2. And like you said, game six, it was a battle. So the Toronto Raptors tied up 3-3. Now game seven, game seven don't care about what happened in game one mm-hmm. through six. The one game series. Whew. I'm excited. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. Patton, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, if there was anything I was ever sure about, after going up 2 nothing, I would think five games max. I think the Celtics have got this, but credit to uh, the Toronto Raptors. They're my arch enemy, even though uh, as a Cavaliers fan, I've never lost to them in the playoffs. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what that's like, but credit, credit to them and credit to Kyle Lowry. This is a guy critical of for a, a lot of the season I just don't trust them in the playoffs specifically but give credit to him he he made that inbounds pass over a seven foot four guy in Taco Falls I don't know how he saw the pass at all but uh, pinpoint pass over to OG Ananobi which ended up saving the series but game seven I think uh, I'm, I'm going to give this one to the um, Boston Celtics the main reason being they know what a game seven is like um, when the, whenever they played against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals that final year of LeBron in Cleveland. And I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown really grew up after that game. So give me uh, the Boston Celtics mainly so I don't look like an idiot after saying the Celtics were going to win it by five games and then the, if the Raptors end up kind of coming back and winning. So um, great series, great for basketball and great for sports to have the, the Raptors come back um, to see if they can end up pulling this one off. Hey, what you got? The, uh, who you got game seven? Game seven, I am also riding with the Cs. Oh, for one, yes, riding with my prediction. Number two, I do believe that at any given time on the floor, they have the two best players in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, Kimball Walker can't give you five points again. He's going to have to at least score double digits, though Marcus Smart is balling out of his mind right now. Um, but, Kimba, you're going to have to play a little bit better. All I got to say is Kyrie would never. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. He wouldn't be on the floor. <laughs> oh, facts. <laughs> All right, so – I'm I'm a, I'm a different I'm gonna go different than you guys. I'm gonna go with Toronto. I'm gonna go with the the defending champs on this one. Uh, I think it's gonna go into overtime. I I don't think it's gonna be a blowout at all. 
One thing that was confusing for me is Campbell Walker not playing exceptionally well. Uh, I don't. I, it might be. I know he got injured right before the bubble, or right right during the series seeding games. So maybe that injury is still lingering on with him right now. But he hasn't really been himself, and it's been benefiting the Raptors. Now Jason Tatum and balling. Jalen Brown. Hopefully, if if the Celtics want to win, if Jalen Brown has a good shooting night here on tonight, the Celtics will win. But if he goes four for 18 again, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm going to have to give it to the Raptors. And then also, just please, Toronto, do not give Norman Powell an ISO at the end of the game. Please give it to Kyle, Kyle Lowry. He played every minute of the last game. So just be prepared for him to play. Not every minute of the last game. He played 53 minutes. He played every minute of the second half in the double overtime. So he's most likely going to do that again, game seven. Just give him the ball with 23 seconds out the uh, 20, 23 seconds left and just move out the way. Do not give the ball to Norman Powell. I don't want to see a sidestep three from Norman Powell, who barely did anything oh, for a majority of the game until the second double overtime. Norman Powell is not made for those kind of shots. Just give the ball to the veteran. Kyle Lowry, you saw what he did. Pull up fadeaway from Mitty. We don't need no sidestep threes. But I'm going with the defending champs just to prove you guys wrong. I hope that the Toronto Raptors get to the conference finals. They and then I think they I think they got they had a shot against Miami. I don't, I don't think it would be a slouch over it. I think it would also go seven, but I I will give the the little edge just because they got the veteran championship DNA. That's the only reason I would give that edge to Toronto if they do face Miami. But let's go ahead and move on and let's talk about the two more series, really quick hitters, because the Western Conference is is over. Yeah, I'm saying it's both over and five. Is the Lakers, we're going to talk about the Lakers first. The Lakers go up 3-1 after last night, and they just dominated the Rockets, just plain and simple. The Rockets didn't have a fast break point or a second chance point for the first three quarters. And I don't know what's what's up. Maybe we just need to start blaming Mike D'Antoni and just say, get him up out of Houston. He's he shot this front office and, and everything. Don't blame Harden. Don't blame Russ, because they had a lot of mid-range jumpers they didn't even take. They just, just take the mid-range shots and Give you what's open because the Lakers are literally not even – they're letting them have mid-range shots because they know they're not going to take it. And that's what's the sad part about it. And that's Russ, and that's Russ's best, uh, I think, attribute is his kind of driving at the basket. The, deep, the, the defender backs off and he just pulls up for a free throw line jumper and it's money every time. So I think he's clearly been told, uh, I don't want to see that anymore. And I, I think you're taking away a big part of – Russell Westbrook's game is the mid-range and um, him shooting threes you don't want that a ton I think you want that four or five times a game at max but um, I I think I'm with you I think I've had enough of the Mike D'Antoni experiment here in Houston Uh, the small ball doesn't work Uh, you're getting out rebounded Uh, you're getting you're getting hurt on the defensive end who's who's going to guard Anthony Davis PJ Tucker had his little moment of fame early in the series. Well, that's gone now. So uh, I think something needs to be 
said about you trading away Clint Capella for um, I can't even remember who you who you gave away for him. So um, not a big fan of, of the style of play. Small ball, maybe it works in in 20 years, but right now when you've got a seven footer like AD who can shoot shoot threes and then dunk on you in the same in the same uh, series, uh, you need a big man to guard AD specifically. So. That's my two cents. Not a fan of uh, of Houston, and I'll just go ahead and say this about the Clippers. Um, let's go ahead and get the Lakers and Clippers in the Western Conference Finals because the Nuggets have disappointed me. Not a big fan of what Michael Porter Jr. came out and said. This guy's a rookie, and he's already thrown his teammates and his head coach under the bus. What are you doing? Indeed. Um, just for a quick hitter on the Lakers, the Houston Rockets, they found a bad matchup, being that LeBron James is obviously one of the greatest players of all time, and then Anthony Davis is a monster on the inside, can do everything inside and out, can play defense from the perimeter to the inside. And once he wakes up, you can't stop him. If you have a guy that is five inches shorter than him trying to guard him, it's not gonna it's not gonna work out in your favor. Sorry. So that series is effectively over. Whether they win in five or six, it's done. And as far as the Nuggets, uh, the Nuggets Clippers series goes, Jamal Murray, as I've stated before, um, model of inconsistency, and he was on fire against the Utah Jazz, and he used up all his juices because I think the most he scored. Uh, in this series against the Clippers was 20, and that was last game. Other than that, it's been like 14-point games. So if Jokic isn't getting any help from there, um, they're not getting Michael Porter Jr. the ball like he demands. Uh, they don't have <laughs> enough offensive power to beat the Los Angeles Clippers, being that they have a guy in Kawhi Leonard who's going to average 30 on your head and um, have a great supporting cast, which they had like five guys scoring double digits last night. So, yeah. Done. Donezo. For the Lakers, I will say a great. Somebody that's been playing extremely well is Ray John Rondo. I know there was a lot of Rondo hate in the beginning saying, why is he out there on the floor in the clutch moments? But that basketball IQ, he's he's knowing where to go, get the ball to, what to do. When it's out of LeBron James' hand and Rondo's hand, they're in a good position. Yeah, he might not be able to hit a lot of three-point shots, but when he is knocking down the three ball, you have to put a hand out. Houston wasn't even putting a hand out on Rondo at times. And it's it questions a lot of things, but Rondo has been hooping. Like I said, I think this Lakers like I'm a I'm a joint pad and say this it's gonna be over within five. And for the Clippers, if you're Michael Porter Jr., you cannot bash your head coach and your assistant coaches. This is your rookie year. You are not the star. There were two guys before you that they put a lot of money into. Jokic is an all-star. Jamal Murray just got paid top dollar. You saw what he did in the previous series. He was giving y'all benefits after bucket, after bucket, after bucket. You can't do that, man. You just can't because you're going to have a short career with the Denver Nuggets bashing your, your head coaches. And I just think that this series is going to be just over with quick. I'm not even going to be lot to you. I think it's going to be over with quick. Jamal Murray, he faced against the two best wing defenders and then also Patrick Beverly. 
So you're going to have a tough time no matter what. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it off. That's going to be all that we have for the NBA. I'm going to pass it off to Gabe here in just one moment as we're going to go with the NFL and our predictions. Indeed. Uh, we're starting now. Let's do it. All right. In the NFL, last night we got to see the Texans versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs got the win, 34 to 20. Guys, what did y'all what did y'all expect? What did you see? Just your thoughts. Well, I, I really liked what I saw, uh, specifically that the Texans experiment of trading DeAndre Hopkins away. It looks to be going great. Uh, those receivers really getting open for uh, Deshaun Watson and really getting their hands on the football and reeling it in. So as a Titans fan, obviously I'm loving life right now. Although I will say this, David Johnson did look really, really good uh, for the most part of that game against the Chiefs, but that's really because they were letting him have yards when they were already down 15 to 20 points. So he can have those 10 and 15-yard runs all he wants. But um, I really like what I saw from – the Texans, now the Chiefs, um, good luck anyone stopping them. That offense now with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, good grief. The Chiefs have a dynasty, so ladies and gentlemen, get ready. They're going to be running the table for at least the next three years. So that, that, that offense is out of this world. If the defense can hold up and get stops, I'm sorry. It's just not going to be close. Because you're going to have to put up – it seems like you got to put up 35 in order to beat them at minimum. Because <laughs> they're going to put up 28. It's not It's not like how the Patriots were. Not where you have to put up 28 in order to win. You might have to put 35, 40, 42 in order just to beat these guys. And I don't know if you can do that. Yeah, you have to be a historically great offense to do it on a consistent basis. But let's uh, hit up some – What are let's, we're going to do some predictions for the divisions. Now, we'll go with Patton. What do you have for your division winners this year? All right, so I'm going to start from the uh, AFC and then go towards the NFC. In the AFC, I've been bashing the Patriots all summer long. I've uh, I really enjoyed their demise, uh, possible demise. But here, I just don't trust the Bills yet. I'm, I'm still going to go with New England ending up winning the, the division. I think what I've seen out of Cam Newton uh, press conferences. He's got me hooked into this team, so I'm uh, really excited for him and his opportunity this year. AFC North, no surprise here. Give me Baltimore by at least three games in this in this division. I don't see the Steelers or the Browns, for God's sakes, coming anywhere near um, the Baltimore Ravens. AFC South, I'm going the Titans. Why not? Why not be a little bit of a homer here? Um, one thing I will say, I did bash the Texans. I want to see what Phillip Rivers is like in his division uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. If he is what he is last year, uh, then I'm loving life. But if he turns into the uh, normal Phillip Rivers who can throw all over the yard, I might be in trouble. So the AFC South, I've got the Titans. AFC West, Marcus, your Raiders. No, just kidding. I'm going to go the, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, winning the AFC West. Moving over to the NFC East, I've got the Dallas Cowboys, NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, the NFC South, not the Saints. I'm going to go a little recency bias. I'm going to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're going to win uh, on Sunday night and really uh, start the revolution in the NFC South. 
And then in the NFC West, really struggled with this one. I wanted to be bold and pick possibly Arizona. I really like what they're doing in Arizona right now, but I think they're a year or two away from really challenging this division. So I'm going to go with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo. That Super Bowl has really left a bad taste in my mouth. So I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks winning that division. All right, I'm going to go ahead and go with mine. All right, so the AFC West, like I said, the Chiefs have got a dynasty. I'm, yeah, I might be a Raiders fan, but you got to be logical with this one and just go with the Chiefs. The AFC East, now I've said last year that the Bills will win the division in two years, and I'm sticking to it. Josh Allen, when he completes 60% of his passes, is 11-0, and 0, and I'm banking on that. With also Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and Stephon Diggs, let's go Bills. All right, AFC North. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Sleepers, the Steelers are a sleeper team, but I just think that the Ravens are the better team for right now. AFC South, give me the Colts. Why not? I'm going to keep the fire alive. Phillip Rivers bringing the Colts to the promised land, and I have no faith in Ryan Tannehill. Now to the NFC. I know Patton, he don't like that, but we're going we're gonna to save we're going to say that. But NFC North, that was a struggle for me, I will say, because I didn't know whether to pick the Packers or the Vikings. But I'm going to go with the Vikings on this one, even though it might be a little bit harder without Stephon Diggs. I think Kirk Cousins and them can go get it done. NFC East, I really didn't want to pick the Cowboys, but due to the injuries for the Eagles, there's, there's no way that the Eagles can win this division. So I got to go with the Cowboys. NFC South? I'm going with the Saints. I'm not going to go with the recency bias like my my good partner here. I'm going to go with the team that's been doing it for quite some time, even though that Bucks defense will be legit with 11 of the 12 starters coming back and also getting Deion Jones from LSU. But I'm going I'm to stick with the Saints and just make sure that they pay Alvin Kamara. But that's, that's for a later day. And then the NFC West, I'm going to pick – he got my MVP vote. And I'm going with Russell Wilson and his Seattle Seahawks. Remember, guys, that they were just one yard away from having the number one seed. I think they can go back and dominate this year. Indeed. Uh, just mine, uh, I got – I'm going to start with the NFC, South, Bucks, North Vikings, West Seahawks, East Cowboys, and the AFC, South Titans, North Ravens, West Chiefs, and the East – not the Bills. I'm going down with the ship. I'm going down with my boys, the Patriots. But uh, let's uh, predict some lines real fast. Uh, we had the Texans at Chiefs. Marcus and Patton had nine and a half Chiefs. Of course, the Chiefs won by 14, which was my prediction. We got Bucks at Saints. Marcus. I'm going with the Saints. You got Saints by four. Saints by four, Patton, you? I'm going to go with the Buccaneers uh, by three. I think the Lakes field goal is going to end up winning it. Uh, I believe it's in New Orleans. Indeed, I have three as well. Saints are favorite three and a half. Uh, Titans, Broncos, Marcus. I'm going to go with the Titans due to all the injuries that the Broncos uh, had defensively. So I'm going to go Titans by – I'm going to go Titans by seven. Patton? I'm going Titans by 10. I don't think this one's going to be close. Uh, late Monday night game, uh, 
I like Clowney getting a couple sacks. He's going to get – he might get three sacks this game, much less all season. So, I'm going to go Titans by 10. I as well have Titans by 10. The line is Titans two and a half. Packers-Vikings. Padden. Uh, I'm going to go Packers by four. Got it. Marcus? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to say Packers. I'm going to say Packers get this win by three. And I have Packers by three. The line is Vikings about two and a half. And Cowboys-Rams for our last one. Patton? Cowboys, I got winning this one by six. Too many additions for them, and I don't trust the Rams. I'm going to go Cowboys. Cowboys by four. Got it. Uh, Mine is Cowboys by seven, and the Cowboys are favored by three. Marcus, wrap us up. Well, that is all that we have here on this afternoon. Hopefully everybody's staying safe as we're still in this coronavirus pandemic. But this is another episode of JTS. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in to another episode of Just Talking Sports.